Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs and this is Proverbial the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 22, Both Sides Now. Today's proverb comes from Alfred, Lord Tennyson. I'll read it twice. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Once more. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. This proverb is controversial, but it's not controversial the way that when in Rome, do as the Romans do is controversial. Some people hear when in Rome, do as the Romans do, and they think, well, that's very relativistic. And there are plenty of proverbs that the average modern man probably objects to on the ground that they sound relativistic. And so when in Rome do as the Romans do is a proverb that people might object to for philosophical reasons. But Tennyson's quote, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all," is controversial for a very different reason. The one who disagrees with this quote does so not for reasons of philosophy, but for reasons of experience. Very few people, I suspect, who disagree with the claim, when in Rome do as the Romans do, disagree with it for reasons of experience. It's not as though you went to Rome and you did as the Romans do and you had a lousy time and so you disagree. If you disagree with "'Tis better to have loved and lost,' never to have loved at all. It's because you have experiences which strongly suggest 
to the contrary. Now, even without the context of the poem from which this quotation comes, the proverb does seem tensely postured against a rather remarkable amount of evidence that suggests otherwise. So what does it mean? There are many different kinds of loss. There is death. There is divorce. There is breaking up. And nearly everyone knows what breaking up feels like. Fewer still know what divorce feels like. And at least among listeners of the show right now, I'm not imagining that a lot of people have had romantic love stripped from them by the grave. Well, maybe some. I do take this quote to be about romantic love. I take the proverb to be about romantic love. And I say that because of the way that the proverb is typically applied and typically offered. Now, I want to go back to a, a controlling prejudice of the whole program, which is that I don't try to take into account a lot of the context of any proverb on the show, even when the proverb has well-known context. And the context of this proverb from Tennyson is well-known, but I don't want to take that into account because when we offer this proverb to those who are suffering from romantic loss, we typically don't give a lot of footnotes and citations on where it comes from, though a little digging, a little Googling will reveal it. It's typically romantic. That's the context or the way in which the, the proverb is interpreted. It is certainly interesting to imagine it as applying to other kinds of love, the loss of other kinds of love. It's a strong proverb, for sure. It's an assertion and a strong one, though an undefended one. If we were thinking of the proverb in the context of a non-romantic loss, though, we might think about the loss of a child. It is better to have had a child and loved the child and lost them to, than to have never had the child at all. I don't know that that is a proverb which really needs saying, though. Obviously... The life of a child has value apart from that child's continuing existence in your life. I don't know too many people who are so heartless as to look at a, a child who dies young and say, it was never really worth it for that child to be born in the first place. A horrible, horrible sentiment and not a common one. And besides, if we need consolation in the loss of a child, I think there's the far superior proverb um, whom the gods love, they take young, which is a consolation and a, and a terror at the same time. But this proverb from Tennyson, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all," is 
what Aristotle calls in rhetoric an unsupplemented proverb, which is to say it's just an assertion. It's just a claim. And other proverbs Aristotle classifies as supplemented proverbs, and those proverbs have an A and a B part, and the B part goes some way in explaining what the A part means. Uh, an example might be, uh, say, something from Ecclesiastes, do not be overly wise. Why should you die before your time? Why should you go? Why should you die before your time? Is the supplement, and it gives some explanation as to what the A part means. Uh, but not all proverbs have an A and a B part. Some proverbs are just bold-faced uh, claims. Um, better a bird in hand than two in the bush offers no explanation. It's an assertion. And this is an assertion, too. It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Why? Eh. So far as the typical usage of the proverb, we don't know. And it's up to us to solve. Uh, so, why? Why is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? I need a bit longer before getting around to the explanation. I'd like to take an interpretive strategy um, just for a moment in addressing this problem that I don't typically favor. And I'd like to point out that it was a man who said this. I don't know if a woman would have said this. I don't know that a woman would have felt the need to say this. Maybe more on that last point later. It reminds me, the fact that a man said this reminds me of a fantastic uh, and deeply offensive proverb from Oscar Wilde. Men always want to be a woman's first love. Women like to be a man's last romance. Men want women who have not known the love of other men because men are lazy. They don't want to be compared with other men. Women, on the other hand, want to know that they're better than other women. A woman wants to have bested other women. But a man is anxious about being better than other men because he's not sure that he is. And he's probably quite sure that he's not on a number of fronts. That's why men don't want to be compared with other men. A man would prefer for his love to be untried. It's a man's hatred of other men that makes him want to be a woman's first love. It's woman's hatred of other women that makes her want to be a man's last romance. There is maybe a more um, generous way of reading that proverb from Oscar Wilde. Men always want to be a woman's first love. Women like to be a man's last romance. It seems to bear a certain witness of Adam and Eve's relationship. Adam, after all, had the world to himself for a little while. 
And when Adam had the world to himself, he immediately looked around for a companion. And he judged all the animals and all the relationships of the animals in an anthropological way. And after surveying all the animals, he determined that none of them was a fit companion for himself. So it's, it's maybe man's nature to wonder if he has a fit companion. To even inspect this claim from several angles. Eve, on the other hand, knew no other companion than Adam. And so tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Might have this interestingly, uniquely masculine component to it. Although I think it has some value for women as well. Why is it better? Uh, again, before answering this question, it's worth noting that the proverb is made by someone who can remember his life before love and after. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all is a claim made by someone with two experiences that can be compared. The proverb is not a claim made by someone who knows only the absence of love. Um, the proverb comes from someone who has seen both sides now, as Joni Mitchell once saying. Here's my theory of this quote. I do have a theory that more or less solves it if we're to view it as a riddle. I think this quote is about first love. I think this quote, this proverb is about first love after maturity is reached. It's about first love after intellectual freedom, intellectual uh, autonomy has been reached. And I would say there's a rather massive difference between first love as it's known at the age of 15 and first love measured at 21. At 21, marriage is a possibility. And I think that's the standard that must be reached in order to really think about first love in a helpful and mature way. Heartbreak, the heartbreak that's referenced in the proverb, could be based on death, or it could be based on a change of feeling, as I mentioned earlier. The heartbreak of death comes with some natural consolation, though. Because in the heartbreak that emerges over death, there is the knowledge and the hope, at least for Christians, that in the life to come, marriage is transformed and that death is the fated end of every romance. Eventually, one person must die first and then the other. And that death is a sort of, well, death is never natural, but death forms a kind of natural terminus for every long-term relationship. But I don't think that the proverb is usually used in the context of the death of a loved one. This is a proverb that we say to people who are 
dumped. <laughs> this is a proverb you give to somebody. Um, where the romance failed to work out. There is a certain air of finality about this proverb. It's better to have loved and lost and in losing to have lost something that cannot be regained. It's a loss that can't be regained, although I don't think that the proverb is normally used in reference to the death of the loved one. Which is to say that there must be some kind of loss of love that many people experience, which is not the death of a loved one. And I think it's the end of a first love. The love which is lost is not, say, the fellow who breaks up with his fifth girlfriend in six years. You don't need to give that guy consolation. You give that guy a bottle of whiskey, and that's over with. There's no deep consolation needed for the loss of a fifth girlfriend in six years. After the loss of your first real love, they're all, at least up until marriage, they're all kind of similar. The proverb, perhaps, refers to the loss of a first love. And it's not the kind of proverb you would need to give to someone. I say this, there's not a need to console somebody with these words, tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. That's not the consolation that you give to somebody who's been married for 30 years. Because there are children that testify to the worthiness of the love that has lasted that long. So if you know some, some guy is, you know, 58 59 years old, and his wife of 30 years dies of cancer. You don't need to tell that guy. I was better to have loved and lost than never to have loved. He knows. That was never in question. The quote, the proverb is given to someone where there's honestly some debate about whether love was really worth it. And I would suggest that anybody who has children and loses their romance, either through death or divorce or what have you, is probably not arguing about whether it was worth it. A first love, however, that does not ultimately prove to be the greatest love of one's life, and let's face it, first loves are rarely greatest loves, is nonetheless important. And I think maybe even a little begrudgingly, even a little smirkingly, we'd have to say that it's real. First love is real. It's not infatuation. We call it first love. And whatever this thing called first love is, is worth acknowledging as love. So you might say, Tennyson means that heartbreak is worth it. And let's imagine Tennyson is an older man telling a younger man, heartbreak is worth it. Why? As I mentioned earlier, I want to make this, this another quick caveat. 
about first love. I think in order for first love to count, or for love to have count in this young man's proverb, it has to be beyond the age of legal maturity. When we're talking about losing love, I think we have to distinguish the difference between the love of children which is lost, an illegal love, a love which the law refuses to sanctify, versus any kind of love beyond the age of 18, where the law says, this is viable, this could count, this could make it, we will, the state says, I will put my blessing on this and call it real. No matter how far-flung a possibility that might be. And honestly, if you're 18 or 19, first love is barely first love. But I think it is. Now, I think there's some kind of temptation to interpret this proverb on a purely surface level. And and I think a, a purely surface level reading of this proverb, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all." suggests that there is some ennobling quality to love which remains with you even after it's gone. And that love turns something on in your heart, flips a switch, that romantic love flips some switch in your heart. And given the trajectory of most human lives, first love can't be lasting. But it's worth it to have that switch flipped. And to suffer whatever comes with having that light turned on, you know, than to go your whole life without it. Heartbreak really is... More of a young man's game, though. And I want to read this proverb the way that I read most proverbs, which is this is an old man talking to a young man. This is a mature man reflecting on his youth. And what the old man knows is that a first love is a very particular kind of love. The love which comes first is typically called first love to distinguish it from every other kind of love that comes after. There's love as a concept, then there's first love, and then there's every great romance that comes after. First loves tend to be idyllic. They tend to last Only a very short time. First love tends to not be attached to all that much responsibility. And so, first loves tend to be highly contemplative as well. After 10 years of marriage... I don't know that there's a whole lot of abstractions left in marriage. After 10 years, everything is quite concrete. I've been married for 14 years, just 
celebrated my 14th anniversary on March 11th. I would say the last time I thought of my marriage as an abstraction, probably the fourth year of marriage. It's probably been 10 years since I thought of my marriage in a highly abstract sort of way. Maybe that comes back. I don't know. After 10 years of marriage, though, a marriage is more like a restaurant than it's like anything else. Marriage is, after 10 years, a marriage is not a relationship. It's a restaurant. I mean, it exists because it needs to. It exists to keep people fed. There are shifts to cover in a marriage as well as in a restaurant. If you're sick and you can't make it to your job, you got to get somebody else to cover it. If you're a sick dad, you got to get somebody to cover that dad shift. Marriage is like a 24-hour restaurant. And in this way, an anniversary party is kind of like an employee appreciation day. I say this as somebody who advocates very strongly for anniversary parties, especially on singular dates, 5th anniversary, 10th, 15th. Employee appreciation days are important to keep, but they need not be sentimental. They serve a very real purpose. And a good boss knows that employee appreciation days keep employees around. Anniversary trips and parties are important to keep for the same reason. They might be a pain in the neck. And I would say that my anniversary does not come at a particularly easy time of year to celebrate it. Nonetheless, the health of a marriage depends upon regularly, even informally, re-ceremonializing it. When a 10-year-old marriage ends, it's like watching a 50-year-old diner close. You see a diner that's been around since the 60s closing. You shake your head. Say, that's a shame. That place was great. You say this even though you only ate there once. I want a diner that's 50 years old, 60 years old, closes. It's sobering. And you wonder what's going to happen to the fellow that owned it. And you think about losing your own job. And you become grateful for your employment. When a first love ends, though, no one cares. When a first love is over, it's like when a Panera closes for renovation. (laughs) The lovers care, but first love basically exists for the sake of the lovers and no one else. It's not keeping anyone alive. There are other places to go. Plenty of fish in the sea. No one cares. So... 
What is it good for? Why is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? Well, I think I say this. I say the memory of a first love ending can keep you faithful in the 12th year of your marriage. Memory of heartbreak, first time around, can keep you faithful. Because when the possibility of an affair presents itself, you recognize the affair for what it is, which is something that is not going to last. And an affair doesn't last because it's not productive. Most affairs don't last, I mean, for six dozen reasons, but number one is because they don't need to. It doesn't keep anyone fed. That's why marriage lasts. Marriage lasts because it needs to. An affair is basically contemplative, though. Even though it's punctuated by physical pleasure. An affair appeals more to the mind than to the body. The memory of an ended first love, though, testifies against the delusions of an affair. Someone who never suffered the loss of a first love might be tempted 10 years into a marriage to think adultery was real love. And so that loss that Tennyson speaks of is, especially when it's the loss of a first love, it's capable of attaching this permanent sense of loss to your understanding of love. It can make love a sober thing. That ended, early ended first love can paint forever after love in somber colors. And love needs a set of clothes to wear for the fall. It needs something muted to wear. It can't be bright forever. So I say it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Is a part of this long game approach to romance. It acclimatizes us to the denial, the self-denial that makes lasting love possible. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.